This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. Last Thursday, in a state of heightened anxiety and excitement, I clutched my little movie ticket and entered a darkened theater to see magic unfold. I was joining other fans like myself to see Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. The minute I entered the theater, I knew I was with family. A family that has grown out of the decades-long worship of an epic saga that has stretched from Star Wars A New Hope in 1977 to the present film release. There were a few moviegoers dressed as characters, and I was thrilled to see many young children. One middle-aged woman who sat directly in front of me came in with a huge R2-D2 toy that sat at her feet during the film. Three young men behind me were talking trivia with non-stop fervor on Star Wars character development and the latest news on the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. The excitement in the room was palpable and a shared collective. The rich saga lives on in our hearts with the characters who have become part of us. But more than that, I felt that the kinship shared by everyone in that theater was based on the search to find what is good, noble, honest, and heroic. Since the late 70s, we have looked to these films to find our hero within. And in my humble opinion, I felt that we were not disappointed with the rise of Skywalker. So many themes of the hero's journey were wrapped up within this monumental film. The transformative power of love and forgiveness being the main thread. And if ever there is a nod to the power of women... It can be found here. So today, I have with me as my two guests, my two other Star Wars family members, Matt Mickelson, filmmaker and actor, and Bob Small, my recording engineer and producer. We have all seen the movie, and we are here today to speak about the enduring power of myth and magic, and why we are continually drawn to this films. Matt, I know you saw the film over the weekend, and I was so relieved when I received your text message afterwards that said simply, we are saved. (laughs) Star Wars is back on track with this film, isn't it? Yes, yes. It totally made my day. I was you know, uh, degrudgingly preparing myself for extreme disappointment, and it didn't happen. So <laughs> all is right with the world. And so you came to this with a little fear, a little... Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, I mean, after the debacle of The Last Jedi uh, and uh, severe depression that has set in the past two years because of uh, said movie, uh, I was uh, really hoping that they uh, pulled this one out of the gutter, and uh, you know, and they did a great job. And I, I was very happy, as opposed to being embarrassed for being there and <laughs> <laughs> having to explain why my favorite movie uh, series in the world is is so bad. But but now it's been redeemed, and thank you, J.J. Abrams, and everybody else involved. And uh, oh yeah, and now I can feel good a, a, about being a, a hardcore Star Wars fan. And um, you know, and share it with everybody, as opposed to trying to explain why it's so bad or why it left us, uh, you know, yeah. with a kind of anticlimactic note. I've got to say, guys, we're looking at forty-two years of filmmaking in the Star Wars saga. Forty-two years. Wow. 
I mean, this this is such a body of work. And whether we've liked all the films or not, we, we actually have to respect just what has gone into this. You know, just as we have to res- uh, respect Peter Jackson's, um, you know, 10-year work of doing Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this is monumental. And I felt, it, my my first reaction to this film Despite all the the fantastic heroism, uh, really, uh, that would be the first word I, I would choose to describe. But really, just the epic saga is so huge that who would have ever thought, you know, with the original Star Wars A New Hope, that we would come to this kind of point without giving too much away on the yeah. radio. No spoilers. We don't want to give any spoilers away today. But um, really... I, I am filled with such respect for this really operatic achievement. And I mean operatic in the best possible way. In other words, you know, we, we have so many different different levels and dynamics of emotion. And yeah. and let's face it, we, we need this in our world today. We need this uplift. Exactly. Uh, you remember how I was um, waxing on about it, it kind of feels like 1977 mm-hmm. where things are kind of uh, – not good and everything's very unstable and back in 1977 all the movies were about everything going wrong and, mm-hmm. and that it was just reflecting what was happening in life yeah. you know mm-hmm. um new mm-hmm. york city was a garbage dump and um you know just <sighs> things were not progressing and um then star wars came along and gave everybody something to believe in um and i think that's what this has done in a in a way you know um where we're in a, a similar period. And now this has given us a little tidbit of hope. You know, it may not be mm-hmm. so drastic now just because it's kind of what we're expecting it. But um, but also uh, it, it's it's good to have it. You know, that, that, that one thing that you're hoping for, that one thing under the tree <laughs> showed up. <laughs> and um, so, you know, it could change your whole mood. It could change your year, your week, your day. Absolutely. Ours anyway. Yeah, Bob, what what was your initial reaction after you saw the film? I loved it. I was, as I told you, there were a couple of places where it brought tears to my eyes. It it was so wonderful. I'm just thinking now as I'm listening to you talk about it that this movie, there was no teasing us as to what something might mean and you're going to learn about it in in, in a later movie. Mm -hmm. No, everything got wrapped up. There was there was reference to the mm-hmm. teasing, and now here's the answer. Mm-hmm. And I think that as really, opposed to you have to go read the books. <laughs> or, or yeah, well, there was no sense of um, delay. I, I'm, I felt satisfied right away. That's so fabulous. That's so fabulous because so did I. In, in and I'm looking at this when I when I talk about something being operatic, you know that means there's a pace that's drawn out, and f- for a filmmaker to be able to sustain that yeah. kind of pace, and, yeah. and you know about this, Matt, mm-hmm. as a filmmaker yourself, it, it, you know is is not an easy trick. No, to do. I mean I can't believe they accomplished what they accomplished because even with millions of dollars and hundreds of people backing you up it's 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 a slog it's really 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 hard to make a thing that doesn't exist one one of the make things make it good i mean it's hard enough just to make a movie i mean and it's even harder yeah. to make it good there's no formula it's it's you just 
you know, do your best. And, and if it works, it doesn't. If it doesn't work, well, you got to go back to the drawing board and try again. Um, and uh, there, there's no guarantees. Can I tell you one of the things that really struck me immediately about this film is that we are back to a trio of characters. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like in the original, we had Han, Luke, and Leia, right? So here, our trio is so loving, and they're yeah. so adjusted to each other. Ray's doing all her training, but she's very much with Poe and with Finn, and they're out there doing this together. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, took us back to that wonderful feeling, you know, in, in the first film, again, which we have established in 77, that we want to find that passion with community. Yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest here. It is a sense of community and what they're fighting for. Well, you know, that kind of brings me to the thought of, and I was thinking about this when Bob was talking, was it, this movie made me feel included. Mm. Right, um, right. Where The Last Jedi made me feel discluded. That's a word, right? Um, it it kind of made me feel like uh, Ex- we're starting excluded. a new club and uh, <laughs> you're not invited and thank you for your patronage. There's the door. But you know, this, but now it felt like, hey, welcome back. And that's what inspired such an emotional reaction yeah. out of the ardent fans who really rejected The Last Jedi. Even though, Matt, I will we say... We didn't reject The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi rejected us. Well, there you go. <laughs> and actually, that's that's a very good way of saying it. We can still appreciate... I still have to hang on to my show here. We can still appreciate the fact that it is a beautifully made film. Yes. I think the film itself is really interesting. You know, when I first saw it, I thought maybe, uh, you know, it's two different films in one. You know, Mm -hmm. it's almost a little overlong. But yet it's the length which, which has us. And and the drama. I mean, even though we we don't want to lose some of the characters that we do. I don't mind film. long movies if it's good. <laughs> that just means I get more for my money. You know, <laughs> but he I'll actually sit there for five hours if it's good. But he yeah. forced us to kick it up to a darker kind of viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And we may be facing that in the films to come now that we know that the um, the Benioff team will be taking on the, you know their own Star Wars in the future, in their own trilogy. So we're going to be looking at Game of Thrones, you know. In space. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just basically the same exact setting with spaceships. Because if you look at the world of Star Wars, it's Game of Thrones and no spaceships. Or, I mean, you know, the settings are very similar in a way. So... You know, after watching this and seeing, and we, we all we all saw Ray at at her, the height of her powers, and she never stops. She never stops battling. She's like a, the most polished samurai swordsman, and also, but her mental capacities are so unbelievable. Without giving too much away, but yet she is really, really to me the centerpiece of this film, with all of her love and her healing and her ardor. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree with me? Yeah. Uh, and, mm. and we're trying really hard not to do spoilers here, aren't we? <laughs> really, really. We so keep looking at each other like, wait, slow down, slow down. It's <laughs> almost impossible, sports fans out there. Almost impossible. Yeah, she she really ties this film together, doesn't she? And you know, one thing I noticed about her, her costume, if you look at the the three films, you know, she went from, uh, uh, in The Force Awakens, her beautiful costume is a kind of off-white, dirty and it becomes more white as we go along. In this film, her costume is totally white, and she never gets dirty, even in all the battles she does until the very last one, when she's covered in blood and, and you know, all the dirt. I loved that. I, I love that touch. But um, are you guys watching The Mandalorian as well? I yes, mean, well, yes. I haven't caught I, I would the- love to. <laughs> 
We've got to get you on t- Disney, I know, Bob. I know. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I haven't seen episodes six and seven, but the first five, definitely. I have uh, with my neighbor. Uh, he's usually off on Mondays, and sometimes I'll, I'm off on Mondays, and we have uh, a morning of uh, Monday mandatory Mando Monday. <laughs> um, so we have a cup of coffee and watch a couple episodes. And, um, and uh, you know, it's fun because he's really getting into the lore and the um, audiobooks on Star Wars. So he's kind of digging into a little bit more of uh, the details behind the story and the time period because it's like 15 years after mm. Return of the Jedi and everything's a bit of a mess more than it was before because the em- Empire is no longer there-ish. Mm. Um, and... Um, but it, it's been really good so far. There have been one or two episodes that, uh, you know, kind of pulled from 1980s type stories. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they rounded themselves out. It didn't get too hokey. And uh, it's it's still a strong show. And I got to give – and, you know, John Favreau is no slouch and Dave Filoni is a pure fan. And, um, you know, that's – that's you get something good when you when you let people that love it do something with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. John is the director. John Favreau. Favreau. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's he's, he's the a, creator. I think they um, uh, guest directors. I think. Yeah, oh. they're using all these guest directors, yeah. and ironically, the guest directors are showing up in cameos in 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 every um, episode, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, like the cameo you told me about that I missed. Oh yes. So let's talk about the cameo well, performances. We really don't want to give that away completely. Oh, but I no. <laughs> What's that? It's killing me. It's killing me. It's out there on the internet. Can't I talk about it? You mean Bill so Burr? there are some there are some celebrity cameo yeah. appearances in in the Rise of Skywalker. Sure. And the one I noticed, the one I could relate to, was at in Kijimi on on the planet of Kijimi. John Williams, the composer. Oh, really? He is the bartender. I did not And he has a patch that. over one eye, and I think that's so interesting because, you know, John Williams is equated with, with Wagner. And when you look at the Ring of the Nibelungen by Wagner, the central character is Wotan, and he is the wanderer, and he sacrifices an eye. Yeah. So he wanders the world. So he has an eye patch on. So I thought that kind of link was kind of interesting to me. Yeah. But um, yeah, there was John Williams. I've never Williams. seen John Williams outside of a black turtleneck. Exactly. So. Mm. <laughs> he was in full costume. He was in full costume. And then we also had Dennis Lawson back as Wedge Antilles. Now, you'll remember Dennis Lawson from the, the very early films. Mm-hmm. And he was always Luke's buddy. He's, yep. a, 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 in fact, in the final battle in A, um, a New Hope, um, Luke allows him a, a, to, to fly off because his his yep. uh, t- his fighter is wounded. So, anyway, now, and isn't that also Obi-Wan's uncle? Which? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, uh, uh, Ewan McGregor's uncle. Now that I've got to look up. I didn't up. know that. I, I think. That. Don't, don't, don't check me on but it. But you know, it's I, I funny think, you should I mean, mention you that. you should check me on it. There, I, I, there is at least one scene in the movie, in the new movie, that uses a clip from the first, uh, the Hope. What's the first one? <laughs> a new Hope. Yeah, new, hope. new Hope, yes. <laughs> a New Hope. <laughs> one of the, the original Hope, Bob. <laughs> one, of the, one of the flight <laughs> scenes where uh, somebody is communicating about... Uh, we're, let's get going. You know, one of these kind yeah. of things. That you, you, I know it. I recognize it. Yeah, it yeah. So many times. Yeah. Well, they did that a lot in Rogue One. They, yeah. they, they just, did that too. They used the exact yeah. shots and they just had them say something else. And yep. then John Williams yeah. came in with the same exact movie, 
uh, music from those those mm. shots too, which I thought was really interesting. Um, uh, also, as a celebrity cameo, we had Jodie Comer from Killing Eve. She's the evil villanelle. Really? She was Where featured was she? as huh? Ray's mother. What in the flashbacks? Mm-hmm. Wow, I uh-huh. missed that. And I thought I I thought <laughs> who is that woman? I know her. Wait, yes, it is. And Lynn Manuel Miranda was a resistance fighter. Oh, I didn't see that either. Mm-hmm. Oh. Boy, everyone got so in. So many that. good reasons to go back and see it again. <laughs> so, for those people who have not seen the film yet, we have this wonderful new little droid, this little conehead. He's absolutely adorable, and he's actually really pivotal to the plot. And J.J. Abrams, and he the director, speaks in English. By that's the way. right. That's right. He does. That's always Andy. So, J.J. Yeah. Abrams, the director of the film, was also the voice of our oh, new really? droid friend, D.O. D.O. It's also rumored that Harry Styles and Ed Sheeran had small cameo appearances as stormtroopers. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm seeing something someplace (laughs) where Ed Sheeran showed some of the back back scenes, of back you know, backstage stuff of him doing that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there's something I want to talk about, and it is on the dark side. But this okay. is it's really important in this film because it, it it has the thread has run through all of the movies. Owen Gleiberman in Variety has written a beautiful and almost elegiac review of this film, and I agree with his every word. But he closes with an interesting summation of the all the film's insistence to our waking up to the fear of fascism. You know, in in the Rise of Skywalker, the the bad guys are constantly telling the good guys that there's nobody out there to help them anymore, yeah, and yeah. nobody's listening, yeah. mm-hmm. and it almost it almost defeats them. But of course, not our plucky little heroes. But every one of the films has addressed this this point in the form of the Empire, the First Order, and you know he says. Never has this been so alarmingly real as now. And, you know, I want to know what you guys feel, because when I was watching the film, I actually had a little frisson of, my gosh, you know, while North Korea says they've got a missile pointed our way for Christmas and and Merry (laughs) Christmas to us, you know. It's it's well, it is alarming. In the line in the movie that was repeated several times uh, was um, the Empire wins because they make you feel like you're alone. That's right. Like there's That's no right. one coming to help. Mm. And uh, and yeah, that that uh, that fascism wins when they make you feel defenseless and you have no other choice but to either bow down or go hide somewhere or join them. And that's why back, uh, you know, in 1977, when they made Star Wars, the easiest bad guy that was in every television show, Wonder Woman, Hogan's Heroes, was the Nazis. Mm -hmm. And so, lo and behold, you have British space Nazis. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you just something so big and ominous that you can't fight. And that's the exact message in the first movie. You know, Mm -hmm. he wants to get out there and Luke wants to get out there and do something. Um, cause mm-hmm. he's stuck on this planet just watching this, this happen to the galaxy and, and he thinks he could do something about it. And people are tired of taking it and they want to get up and fight. Yeah. Thank and that's God. Han Solo. He's been mm-hmm. hiding in the corners trying to mm-hmm. not be seen right. just cause he knows it's a losing battle and right. he doesn't want to get anywhere near it. Right, right, right. Um, and it's, it's, it, you think it can't happen here. It can happen in a hot second. Germans thought the same thing. It can't happen here. So when <laughs> I smart, when you know? I see young people coming into this film, this is why I'm so excited, because you know this this theme has has run forever. You know, in sure. in all great films, but we all have to have a new hope, don't we? Yeah, mm. I mean to really march forward, and it's really good to be 
reminded of this in the most beautiful way. And by God, a woman is out there leading it this time in the form of Ray. <laughs> well, a woman was leading it last time in the form of Leah. I don't think uh, we give her enough credit for that. That's right. And she's wound into this film beautifully with, with footage from um, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, what was left over. And the way they do it is so clever, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's quite telling and real. Well, it's not too much. It's and moving. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Right, right. Um, if there was a favorite moment in this film, guys, I mean, without telling too much, <laughs> Bob, what what would it be for you? Well, I I don't know how I can tell it without telling too much. Or maybe there, just the there's, overall. There's a scene where um, oh, it's too much. Ray changes. <laughs> where uh, on, on at the end of a fight, it it changes her. Yeah, and I th- I think. Um, that was my favorite scene. Yeah. And that is that enduring love I was talking about that really permeates, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the message here. I've got to go back to operatic. For me, at one point, I really felt that this was almost as mythologically moving as Tristan and Isolde um, at the end. And there's this this whole power of, of love as being the driving force mm-hmm. in transfer, transformative power, I think, is... Yeah. Is, or love is stronger than hate. I guess. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Love kind of triumphs. Yeah. Um, so, Matt, for you, I mean, is is there something about this movie that has just moved you maybe more than the others? Gosh, that's that's really hard to pick through. I mean, because there were so many. Mm-hmm. There were just so many scenes where you just sat back and you're like, "Oh, I'm so glad they went in that direction." Oh, I'm so glad they decided <laughs> to say this. Oh, I'm so glad they took the conversation this way. Oh, I'm so glad they're treating this character that way. <laughs> you know, um, there was just beat after beat after beat of basically reassembling. You know things that were broken in the last episode. You know, like like in the last episode, like character. Uh, development was just totally, you know, went hard right or hard left or just some way that that was out of character for the character. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't see the movie prior and had no idea what this character was about. Mm-hmm. And it, it, we steered it back to the characters mm-hmm. and what their actual intentions are and their hopes and dreams and what, what do they want. Um, and we got back to that and it was like we got to see our characters again. Um, it's almost like, you know, uh, Lawrence Kazan always described the Empire Strikes Back as the second act. It's when everything falls apart and nothing goes well for anybody, and everybody and and the good guys are losing. The second act, mm. and it's almost like Last Jedi. Instead of being a movie about the second act falling apart and everything falling apart for the good guys and and losing hope. It, the actual movie is the second act where the movie falls apart as opposed to just the story. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, interesting. Just a side thought. Maybe I'm thinking too hard. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> but in his I review in Variety, Owen Gleason... Not on purpose, though. You know, like, <laughs> let's make this movie so bad it'll be thought of as the second act. Yeah, that's what we'll do. But Owen Gleiberman actually suggests in Variety that The Last Jedi, you know, has actually pushed this film to be better. I wouldn't give it any credit. <laughs> You not doing your job has made me better at my job since you forced me to fix your bad job. (laughs) I do know one thing, guys. So I'll give you credit for that. Yeah, there you go. No thanks. No credit. Can I get you a check? (laughs) 
Ryan Johnson has been so literally pissed off about the bad press he's received with his well, upcoming film. You make that a he's, poopy movie. You he's make, he's spoken out about reviews. it. Um, I'm allowed to say poopy, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Now, I'm just going to ask you guys one more question, and this is kind of important because there is this this driving factor about the whole Star Wars saga that really binds us together. It, it's like the Force, you know? It, it draws us, it binds us. Yeah. It's like in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You remember when, when so many of the characters were literally called to find the mountain. This to, means something. This means something. I'm, I have to draw it. I have to see it in my, I see it in my dreams. I have to be I there. got one in my living room. And I feel that we three in this room have been called in that same way in our devotion to these films. You know, when I say we're 42 years of devotion, boy, that ages us, number one. But two, <laughs> does it really speak to the child within us? Or does it really speak to us actually growing up with that feeling of nobility and honor that, that maybe we're looking for in life? And yeah. we're satisfied with these All films. those things. You know, I mean, no, I mean... You know, everybody has that deep drive for some kind of purpose, whether they find it or not. If they don't find it, it's still there. They just don't know what it is or they never got the chance to find it. And some people, it gets pushed on them right away. Um, but, Matt, I've shown, I know so many people who literally will avoid the whole Star Wars phenomenon and or call it silly or I can or they see just that don't get it they're they... not the seekers they're they're not yeah. they're not the born adventurers or they're or maybe they they feel they don't need it in this life you know yeah but we certainly it, there's something else that drives us towards you know this this end mm -hmm. and and Bob for you can you speak on this personally I don't know what I can t say I, I mean I, th I think you're absolutely right mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. But strangely, what, what struck me recently was a conversation I had with a nine-year-old, little boy, telling him I had just seen the Star Wars, and he was unimpressed. And unimpressed, okay. Yeah, it tells me that I don't watch movies very much. I don't like to watch movies. So I talked to his dad later on and found out... What's wrong with your kid? <laughs> well, in a sense, that was where I was going, and his yeah. dad explained it in a way I had not I had forgotten about, yeah. but remembered, yes, I'd felt that way myself at his age. He's scared by the movies. He Even these ones that aren't okay. horror movies, the adventuresomeness is too much. Yeah. Okay, okay. Or okay. if they see movies on TV, they're half paying attention because they got an iPhone, an iPad, their yeah. dog. And, you That's know, right, and they're it, multitasking. It, it, well, you're not, you're not actually watching it. It's That's being right. shown near your body somewhere, mm. but, but you're not actually paying attention. It's mm. interesting. I was just speaking about this very thing with someone this morning and how kids really, they have three things set up. They're playing a game. They're watching highlights of a sports event, and maybe they're watching um, a show, you know, mm -hmm. and, but they're not really taking in anything. No. Who knows? Or it's a, you know it's a, one of those things that could work organically you know it yeah. just it just might have to get to him over time after his friends bully him into going to see it something or like something that. else or yeah. to experience something else but uh, I you know it, it, the human spirit always wants to be a bit of an adventurer you, you know it. I mean some like to play it safe yes but it, when you're young you do have that explore thing you want to go poke around the woods and look around and see what's up mm. you know and this is the extreme version of that you know um and uh i think deep down inside you know a lot of people want to find that but you know they you have to finish school get a job and make some money so you can have kids and 
afford a house and all that stuff. And there goes the adventure part. So, guys, this is the best Christmas present we can give everybody. It's Christmas Eve. This is our gift to everybody, our love of Star Wars. We hope you join us in this. Go see the movie. Don't read any reviews. Bob Small, Matt Mickelson, thank you so much for being on Center Stage. And Merry Christmas to everyone. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage. (laughs) 